Mormon Discussion Podcast is about helping Latter-day Saints like you lead with faith while tackling deeper, complex issues within Mormonism. All financial support goes directly towards keeping the podcast alive and supporting listeners like you. To support the podcast, please consider becoming a premium subscriber at mormondiscussionpodcast.org. Again, that's Mormon Discussion Podcast, all one word, dot org. You can do this for as little as $3 a month or $25 a year. And this will also reward you by letting you listen to premium episodes like this one months before the general public has access. Thanks for listening. And now, on to what you've been waiting to hear. Welcome to another episode of Mormon Discussion Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Real. Grateful for the chance to be with you today. Today I want to talk to you about the New Testament, and specifically I want to talk to you about Jesus and his interaction with the leaders of the true and living church of his day. And I simply want to to speak to you in a context where we're reflecting on the past and to allow you to interpret that in a way that allows you to use it in the present. And so as we look at the church that Jesus is living in, right? Like Jesus is a Jew. Even that, even that kind of an idea can be revolutionary for some who have grown up with such a limited understanding within their Christian faith to believe Jesus. No, no, no. Jesus is Christian. He's the first Christian. Jesus, my friends, was a Jew. Not only that, But Jesus believed that Judaism was the true and living church, right? Like, step back for a moment as Mormons. Do we believe that? That that the Jewish faith is the true and living church in Jesus' day, right? Jesus didn't come to, to tear the law down. He came to fulfill the law. Jesus is living in the true and living church as one of its members. And I want you to think, like, how is Jesus interacting with the leaders of his true and living church that he's a member of? So who are the religious leaders of Jesus' day? You have the Pharisees. I I recognize, like, one of the things I was taught growing up is to kind of split these guys up and to label them, to stereotype them, to caricaturize them. And make them these simplified kind of ways of seeing them. And I'll give you that. The Pharisees, we always thought fair, I see. These guys wanted to be fair. They wanted the law. They were rigid, black and white. These guys wanted to make sure everybody kept the rules. Right? The most known of the religious leaders within the New Testament are the Pharisees. They're a religious party. Pharisee actually means separatist. The name given to them by their opponents because of their holier-than-thou haughty attitude. Their supreme aim was to strictly follow both the written and the oral law. They looked down upon the common people who did not have the slightest chance of fulfilling the complex requirements of the law. However, not all Pharisees are bad. Like, we grow up with this simplified understanding in Mormonism, but the Pharisees are not all bad. Many of them actually tried to promote true spirituality and piety. Some of the well-known ones in the New Testament are Nicodemus, Gamaliel, and Paul himself. Some of them became members in the early church, Acts verse or chapter 6, verse 7. 
And Paul used the title of Pharisee with great respect in a title of honor. Philippians 3, 5. What Jesus condemned was their hypocrisy. You see, my question would be, let's look at every interaction Jesus has with a religious authority within the New Testament. A religious authority within his true and living church. And how does he interact with them on each and every occasion? Jesus condemned their hypocrisy, as evidenced by their pride in their outward observance of the law, but their inward spiritual void, and their arrogant belief that they were more religious than the rest. They, in return, accused Jesus of blasphemy. Right? The religious leaders of Jesus' day in his true and living church accused him of blasphemy of being in league with the devil, of breaking the law, and which prompted them to seek to destroy him. Reflect on that for a few moments. When we connect the dots of then and now, what are the thoughts running through your mind? When people today criticize the unhealthiness of the true and living church, are they accused of blasphemy, of being in league with the devil, of breaking the law, and do others seek to destroy them? Another group were the scribes. Their job was to study and expound the law. The Pharisees were a religious party, whereas the scribes held religious office. Most of the scribes belonged to the Pharisaic party, whereas not all Pharisees were scribes. Scribes claimed positions of first rank, sought public acclaim of the people, and wore long and expensive robes. So they dressed in a way that they tried to separate themselves from the group. They sought the public acclaim of the people. They were the strongest opponents of Jesus because he refused to be bound by the letter of the law, John 5.10 and Mark 7.7-13. They kept close watch over whatever he said and did. The Sadducees... Sadducees, I grew up being told, like, try to remember them this way. Sad, you see. They're sad because they don't believe in the resurrection. And it's the Sadducees that you find Paul speaking to in 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty nine, when talking about baptism for the dead. Unlike the scribes and the Pharisees, the Sadducees were a political party favorable to the Roman government. They were priests of Jewish aristocratic class. All Sadducees were priests, but not all priests were Sadducees. They accepted only the written law and rejected the traditions of the Pharisees. They denied bodily resurrection and the existence of angels and the sovereignty of God over human affairs and believed that man is a master of his own destiny. Because of these theological differences, they did not have a cordial relationship with the Pharisees. However, they joined with the Pharisees in confronting Jesus to show them a sign from heaven. They also raised a question to Jesus about the resurrection. Most of the criticism of Jesus was directed against the Pharisees, except on one occasion when he warned the disciples of the leaven of the Sadducees. There's also the Herodians. The Herodians were neither a religious sect nor a political party. They were Jews who supported the Herodian dynasty. They also joined with the Pharisees to oppose Jesus and attempted to trap him by asking him whether it was proper to pay tribute 
to Caesar. They're only mentioned twice. Matthew 22 and Mark verse 12, or chapter 12. Although there were, there were many theological and political differences among these four groups, they hated each other. Strongly, they were united in their common cause against Jesus. However, Jesus' most scathing rebuke was reserved for the scribes and the Pharisees who joined together as a group in hatred and strong opposition of him. When we look at Jesus in the New Testament, in every interaction he has with a religious leader within his true and living church, do we see Jesus praise them at any point? Do we see Jesus telling the crowd, like, leave them alone, don't find anything wrong with them, be content, And again, I'm okay if people want to see this episode as me trying to blast current leadership. That's not the point. My point is often we want to tell those who want to raise their hand and say, hey, 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 there's something wrong here. There's something unhealthy here in the here and now. We want to say, like, that's not what Jesus would do. Jesus wouldn't raise criticism of the church leadership. Jesus wouldn't do that. And I'm simply wanting us to take an honest look because we all make Jesus what we want him to be. We all turn Jesus. He's either the the bringer of peace or the guy who's coming with a sword. He's either coming back today or he's not coming back for a long time. Either he's just a religious zealot or he is the savior of the world. We all take the same story and we make Jesus into whatever we want him to be. But on some issues... Within his mortal life, if we take him at his word, he's pretty clear. And if we look at the way he interacts with the religious authorities of his day, my question is, point me to the places where he shows deference to them. And what is going on in those situations? Now show me the points where he is being critical of them. And show me what's going on in those situations. And and when we look at it as a whole, what is Jesus' general attitude and interaction with the authorities of his true and living church. The authorities often objected to the way in which he referred to himself. They objected to his using the title of Messiah or Christ. They objected to the way in which he behaved on the Sabbath. They rejected his healings. They rejected his wisdom at every turn the authorities were so sure that they had things figured out and they had no right to be challenged. And at every step of the way, Jesus seems to be telling them, guys, you don't have things figured out. And I have some thoughts and advice for you. Will you please listen? He did not observe their traditions. He was not orthodox in his true and living church. Jesus was unorthodox. He was, he practiced both unorthodoxy, which is a differing belief inside your mind about your religious beliefs, as well as being unorthopraxy, practicing his religion differently than the expected way of doing it. He did not observe their traditions. He violated their Sabbath view. He became a friend of the sinners. He hung out with those on the margins, and he showed love 
and inclusiveness to them. His religious leaders, on the other hand, did not like that. They were not happy. Now all the tax gatherers and sinners were coming near him to listen to him, and both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. What eventually happened to Jesus? Eventually, because of his persistence in calling out the unhealthiness of his true and living church, because of his persistence in raising his hand and saying, something's not right here, because of his persistence in being inclusive of those on the margins and his unorthopraxy, the religious leaders of his true and living church could not tolerate that and eventually excommunicated him, though they did so by the means of flogging him, punishing him, and crucifying him. Today the church tries to put you to spiritual death, but in Jesus' day they put him to physical death. That's what happens when you act like Jesus in the true and living church. That's what happens. That's what happened to Jesus. So when people say to those who raise their hand to the unhealthiness, like, stop it. Stop bringing up the past. Stop talking about the problems now. Be quiet. I get that all the time from the apologist. I get that from people from Fair Mormon. Like, stop. Don't raise your hand to this. Shame on you, Bill. You're just a, you're just another John DeLynn. You're going down the same path. That path is the same path Jesus in mortality went down. And why we can't see that, when it's right in front of our nose, I don't know. But if you say, raising your hand to the unhealthiness of the true and living church, practicing unorthopraxy, and thinking unorthodoxy, in hanging out with those on the margins that the true and living church and its authority say are not worthy of being with us. And then slowly, little by little, being ostracized yourself to the point of no longer being inside your true and living church is the very path that Jesus walked. But that's okay. We'll take the mechanisms of confirmation bias. We'll take the mechanisms of belief persistence and the backfire effect and all the other psychology that we need to hang on to our comfortable beliefs, to maintain that space where we're at right now because we know by a spiritual experience that what we have is true and how dare anyone challenge that? How dare anyone challenge that? But that also is no different than what Jesus experienced on his path, in his day, with the true and living church. If one truly wants to walk the path that Jesus walked, then being severed from one's true and living church, because one held unorthoprax behaviors and unorthodox thoughts and hung out with those in the margins, To be excommunicated from one's tribe is to have walked in the very footsteps that Jesus walked. Should we have ever expected anything less? May I finish with a scripture? 
Matthew chapter 23. May we focus on the life of Christ and the things he taught. Matthew 23. This is the New Living Translation. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. For they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms they wear extra-wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra-long tassels, and they love to sit at the head table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi. They never lift a finger to ease the burden. They have the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love the respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplace and to be called rabbi. May the Lord warm your shoulders. May the Lord help all of us be vulnerable, be authentic, and be willing to raise our hand in the midst of our true and living church, pushing back and saying, be quiet. You can't say that. May each of us be willing to raise our hand and say, My, my Holy Ghost within me, my authority inside me, that spirit which tells me truth, tells me something isn't right here. Something has to give in the sacred name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Taking out my issues never healed the 